who are the top five NFL players to come from an HBCU over the last decade? And we have one thing that we need out of Chelsea Lucas. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day day and remember just because the mic cuts off that does not mean that the journey is done follow me on twitter at south exclusives and today's episode is brought to you by bet online they have you covered this season with more odds props and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts now i want to come up with a list it's the top five hbcu players in the nfl over the last decade now remember this is all based on their nfl resume this isn't based off the guy who was four-time Buck Buchanan Award winner and got to the NFL and, I don't know, just didn't pan out. That's not what we're doing. We're not basing the players who made it to the NFL off of their HBCU resumes. We're basing these players who came from HBCUs based on their NFL resumes. So this is over the last decade. So it didn't matter if you were drafted or if you played in the years 2012 up until now, which was the 2021 season, that is 10 seasons in the NFL. And this this topic really just came to me in the midst of Wednesday's episodes. I was in Wednesday's episode. I was in the middle of discussing how successful that Javon Hargrave has been when talking about how he was going to the South Carolina State Hall of Fame. If you have not checked that one out, make sure that you go listen to that right after this. Really good content and really a good time to praise and acknowledge what he did in college and the pros. And I said he might be a top five HBCU player in the NFL over the last decade. And I really kind of said that off the top of my head. But as soon as I said it, my brain got to rolling, my brain got to thinking. And I'm like, why say probably when you can make this an actual topic, when you can actually sit down and crack out a top five list? So the way that I did this was I really kind of just went off the top of my head and thought about the players who were big time that I remember from an HBCU and I was able to come up with five. So if whatever reason, and then I of course went out to look at the resume and make sure that I was correct in putting them where I put them because I did have to rank them. If you have anybody that you would like to say, anybody you would like to add to the list, please let me know. I really do appreciate it in the comments on Twitter, DM me, however you want to get it done. But if you have somebody you want to show a little bit of love to definitely do that. And if I get enough players, I might, really make another not another list but I might make another topic just praising these players as well so without further ado let's get into our list I had Darius Leonard and Teron Armstead as one and two I don't think that should come as a surprise to any of you because I've talked about how when we're praising the current crop of HBCU players it has to be Leonard and Armstead it has to be those are the players right there because they are premier at their position. I don't care if they came from a PWI or an HBCU. They are premier at their position. So when we're talking about the HBCU players, I think they're the only two, in my opinion, who are maybe Javon Hargrave because he's really had a really good season. But for multiple years, Leonard and Armstead have been at the top of their position. I landed with Leonard at number one because he's just been more healthy. 
Armstead has always struggled with health, and we'll get into that in the second segment, right? But with Leonard, it was hard because I'm a big Armstead fan. Like, I love Armstead, Saints player, um, former Saints player. still hard for me to say former when talking about him. But Leonard ultimately takes the cake. And when you're looking at the accolades that they've had, it can also go to Leonard. I mean, he's had three all-pro seasons out of the four seasons that he's been in the NFL. In the one season that he didn't do it, he only played 13 games. So, and he still made a second-team all-pro in that season. So you look at him, he's been an all-pro player every single year that he's been in the NFL. So I don't care that he hasn't been in as long as some of the other players or really Armstead that I'm talking about, but he's been as successful in a short amount of time. And he's everything you could want in a linebacker. There's maybe two, three teams that wouldn't want Darius Leonard on their team. Maybe, maybe. I can think of one that maybe would be okay. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have Levante David and Devin White. They might be like, okay, we don't need Darius Leonard. But there's not many more because he's that type of linebacker. Everything you could possibly need. You need a tackle or a tackling machine. He had 160 tackles as a rookie. Every single season, despite missing some games here and there, he's had over 120 tackles every single year. I already told you he was an all-pro all of these seasons, but he had 120 tackles every year. You want somebody who's going to disrupt you? He's shown the ability to rush the passer because he has 15 sacks in his career. He had seven in that in that rookie season. They haven't used him as much in that um, facet of the game, but he can still blitz. He can still rush the passer. He can still get into the backfield, and we see that. You want somebody who is going to cause turnovers? If you want somebody who's going to t- cause turnovers, Darius Leonard is your man. No doubt about it, because when you look at his, his interceptions that he's had, right? So – He's had 11 interceptions over his career, and probably that's one of the things that you're really going to praise him for. He's different than most linebackers. Darius Leonard wants to play light. I think he's he's went under 220, I think, believe in, in the beginning of some seasons before. He's tried to play light in a position where that's not really the norm. You don't want to be under 220, but he's talking about how that's exactly what he wants to do. Most, most teams don't even want players who are under 220 at the linebacker position, but he kind of, I don't want to say he's breaking that mold, but he's being unique. I don't know if how many, how many people are going to follow that, but it's been very successful for him. And one of the most magnificent things that I've seen from him, and it's not just his past coverage, it's the fact that Darius Leonard, he he's perfected the peanut punch. He truthfully has. I seen one where he fainted, act like he was going to punch. I think he must have realized he wasn't going to connect. Pump faked on the punch and then punched the ball out on his second attempt, really his first attempt. But I've never seen such calculation on the peanut punch. I've seen people try to just throw their hand in there. Yeah, I've seen that. We've all seen it. But I've never seen somebody say, ah, that's not going to be good. And then go back and actually knock the ball out. He had eight forced fumbles last year. In every single season, he's been a part of five turnovers, whether that's fumble recoveries, forced fumbles, or interceptions. He has been a standout player, forcing disruptions and getting the ball back to the offense every single year on a consistent basis and like I said he had eight forced fumbles last season this man has been absolutely fantastic and he is everything you could possibly want out of a linebacker and that's why I have him as my number one NFL player to come from an HBCU over the last decade I've already said that Teron Armstead is going to be number two but who is going to fill out three four and five but also in what order could I actually have a tie in there so 
make sure that you are sticking around for that. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online has you covered this season with all of your wagering needs. You want to put down some money on the MLB? Bet Online. You want to put some money down on who's going to be the MVP in the NFL? Bet Online. Comeback season or comeback player of the year? Bet Online. You want to talk about the NBA? Who's going to be the MVP next year? Bet Online. Where is Kevin Durant going to land? Where is he going to land next season? Bet online. It's really that simple because they have everything you could possibly need, including your esports, including your favorite Vegas casino games. They are so multiple, and that's one of the things that I appreciate about them. They are also the fastest and easiest. What a wage on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is inscrutable, meaning not readily investigated, interpreted, or understood. Often describes what is mysterious or difficult to comprehend. We're going to be getting to that later in the episode because we definitely have an inscrutable topic that we're going to wrap up today's shows with, show with. But we are going to continue talking about the top five players in the NFL from an HBCU over the last 10 years years remember we're going from anybody who played from 2012 on to 2021 solely based off their resume in that time frame so let's say you had a 10-time all pro but he had a couple of bad years in 2012 and 2013 well that person is not going to make it that person doesn't exist but that person is not going to make it right but let's get into number two because we already know who is going to be is teron armstead we have Teron Armstead at number two, and really the only reason that he solidified himself at number two and not really had a, a fight for number one was health. Health, 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 health. That's always been the only question with Teron Armstead because when you see him on the field, you think, man, this guy is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. He played on the New Orleans Saints line last year and really the year before that as well with a player in Ryan Ramchek who has been an all-pro, whether that's first or second team over the last three seasons or three years in a row, he might have skipped last year. I still believe that Armstead was the best lineman on that team. And there's a lot of Saints media who will agree with that, right? Now, the thing about Armstead is over the, I think he's been in the league seven, eight years off the top of my head, he's had about two healthy seasons. He's had about two healthy seasons. And in those seasons, he had two of his three Pro Bowl years. He doesn't have the accolades of a player who you say has been one of the best left tackles over the last decade. He doesn't. He doesn't have the Pro Bowls. He doesn't have the All Pros. But like I say, it's about health because when you see him on the field, he matches his athleticism and he has extreme athleticism. He had a great combine and it's one of the things that hasn't dwindled too much as he's gotten older and dealt with some injuries. But he also knows how to meet his athleticism with his technique. 
it's really skilled. He he has the uh, offensive line summit where he's one of the teachers who's teaching some of the young guys and even showing some of the veterans some new moves because he is that talented. And you have to be able to be a master of your art to be able to teach people, right? So with that being the case, you have him at number two in his health. Great pass blocker, mauler as a run blocker, health. Health, 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 health. I cannot stress this enough, mostly because I am a huge fan of Armstead. So I want to make sure that it's, that's just completely understood, right? But let's get on to the next three players because who's going to fill this triumvirate of three, four, and five? Moved on from Locked On Saints, uh, Ross Jackson. I had to shout you out because we can do this triumvirate war all day. I can make sure that I put this into an episode. So you'd have messed up letting me find that word. <laughs> but anywho, that's just a little banter with my guy, Ross. But let's get into these next three players for real. And we're going to actually start from the bottom. And we're going to start with number five, who's Javon Hargrave. We talked about him at links in yesterday's episode or Wednesday's episode, excuse me. So we're not going to go too in-depth on him here. But overall, he was a great player at South Carolina State. Since he's got to the NFL, last season was probably his best year. So to answer the question, is he a top five player over the last decade to come from an HBCU? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Um Honorable mention to Titus Howard, who I admittedly have not watched too much Tex Houston Texans offensive line play. I just haven't done that. So with that being the case, I had to put him at number six, but I have heard that he's had flashes of really good play. Um, but Javon Hargrave, one of the most disruptive defensive tackles last year, it was him and Aaron Donald, the only ones on that top 10 list at the defensive tackle position. So I think that's enough when detailing him. Let's get to three and four, and it's a tie. I don't even have a four. I don't even have a four on this list. I have a number three and a 3B. 3A, 3B, um, 3B, 3A. I don't care. They are legitimately tied. I don't have much separation. And that's Robert Mathis and Tariq Cohen. And I'm going to start with Robert Mathis because you're probably thinking, Robert Mathis? Yeah, he retired in 2016, right? <clears throat> but that 2013 to 2015 time span earned something or earned a little bit of respect for me. And that's why he's on this list. First off, in 2013, he was an absolute monster, absolute beast on the field. He had 19 and a half sacks, 10 forced fumbles, and you can make the legitimate claim that he should be your defensive player of the year. He ended up getting second behind Luke Keekley, and that was like the first year when Luke Keekley really just took off, right? But you can make a legitimate claim that 19 and a half sacks, 10 forced fumbles should earn you a defensive player of the year, and that was his 2013 season, best season by far but it happened in this time frame. Remember, we're starting in 2012. So in 2014, he tore his Achilles, didn't play a single game. And that's as bad as that is, he was 33 at that time. He'll be 34 when he came back. And he had a solid season. And maybe I'm speaking too much with my heart, but I honestly believe that going from a defensive player of the year caliber season, tearing your Achilles at 33 when a lot of players are retiring, health or not, they're just retiring. But he decided to keep going after a torn Achilles and he had a solid season afterwards. I... I Gave him number three because I thought that his resilience and his ability to bounce back and really not fall off completely right after a torn Achilles at his age, that earned a number three spot at my 3B because there is no fourth. At Tariq Cohen, he's one of the most dynamic players, has been one of the most dynamic players. And I'll tell you, rather than just detailing how good he is, because I've also talked about him on this show, I'll tell you why he didn't make the cut and just clearing Robert Mathis. And I don't think it's any fault of his own. I think it's health. If he would have played these last two years, I think he would have cleared Mathis. 
he would have been one of the most dynamic players in the NFL for five seasons. So he would have cleared Mathis. And then also if the Bears would have give, given him more punt return up or kickoff return opportunities. You know, he was an all-pro as well. He has a first-team all-pro just like Mathis. But I think that if they would have continued letting him be the player that he was in the return game, you would have seen even more out of Tariq Cohen. Now, when he's on the field, I don't care about how he runs, how he catches the ball as far as what the stats say. Because I know that every single moment that Tariq Cohen is on the field, you're sitting there on the edge of your seat. You're sitting there wondering if he's going to break it. If you're the opposing team, you're wondering if this is the moment that he just takes it to the house. He's that kind of player. Stats, be gone. I could care less. I know what his stats are. I don't need to express what his stats are because they really don't matter when measuring his impact. When measuring Tariq Cohen's impact, I'm looking at the fact that every opposing team, whether that was your actual players or the fans, when he's on the field, you're sitting there wondering like, what is this guy going to do? I need to watch Tariq Cohen. And that's the reason that he is my number three player. Tariq Cohen has been fantastic. I just hope that he can bounce back and get healthy. Now, that's the list. Devon Hargrave at five. At number three, we have Tariq Cohen and Robert Mathis. At two, we have Teron Armstead. And at number one, we have Darius Leonard. I want to know what you think. If there's somebody I'm missing, somebody I didn't think of off the top of my head, please let me know. And if I get enough submissions of players who are really balling in the NFL, guys, remember, let's please, let's please give me people who are balling in the NFL. I know there were some great players who played collegially. I'm talking about what they did when they got to the league. So let's just remember that when, when giving me some submissions, but I always welcome all of it. And one thing I'm welcoming is a statement out of Chelsea Lucas. She has something that I need. And I think that you, you and you and you and all of us need and that's her side of the story i'll tell you exactly why that is necessary as we continue with locked on hbcu now i want to tell you about linkedin jobs and i implore every small business owner to go ahead and get and post your job on linkedin jobs i know people personally who weren't a small business owner but they were the people who were trying to apply to jobs they were trying to get in contact with the recruiter and the beautiful part about LinkedIn Jobs, it, it allows you to get to the candidates that you actually want, the candidates that are actually proper for your job, and get to them significantly faster. Then you're going to add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And remember, there's 40 million people who check in this, who check this every single day. So you have a large people to choose from. Now, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. And did you know that nearly every week, like I said, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free on LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college in terms and conditions apply. That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Chelsea Lucas has something that we all need, and that's her side of the story. Because without that, can we really get to the bottom of this inscrutable situation? It's difficult because everything that I'm hearing is anti-Chelsea Lucas. Everything. We know why that is. But the truth of the matter is everything that you are hearing right now that's being reported is against Chelsea Lucas. Now, I was in a Twitter spaces the first time I actually hopped into a Twitter space so. I might do it again. I don't know. Um, but usually I just listen. But this time I actually hopped in and I spoke. Find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Feels like a proper time to plug the Twitter. But overall, I was on the Twitter spaces. And in that conversation, a woman claiming to be Chelsea Lucas's friend came on and said she didn't cut all the players. 
That didn't happen. Now, this is the first time we're hearing about this. I ain't, I ain't never heard that. I don't think it's been reported. It's been always reported that she cut everybody. That's just how it was. Sounds like she said it might not be the case. Now, of course, I need to hear this from Chelsea Lucas. The woman also spoke on the Alcorn, uh, ex-Alcorn volleyball player who said she was mistreated and not handled correctly with her health. Said that was, said some things about that. But moral of the story is everything that that woman said in that Twitter space is I need to hear from Chelsea Lucas. And she says she's preparing a statement with her attorney. But here's a, a statement that she gave in why she hasn't spoke out. Since I've started at Grambling, I have been I have been ordered, not asked, but ordered to not speak to the media. My voice has unfortunately been silenced despite the rumors and accusations about me. As a result, I have not been able to provide my side of the story for many events that have that have occurred during my tenure as the head volleyball coach at Grambling. Boom. She says some other things in there. But that's the big thing. That's the number one thing. She has been silenced and we do not have her side of the story. And because we do not have her side of the story. There is so much that we cannot really make a decision about. She also said some other interesting things in there that I'll highlight real quick. She said that she had a meeting that her firing actually came days after a meeting with the president that she requested it was given, but the AD was there. She didn't expect the AD to be there. She had no idea. And while she was talking, the AD clearly was upset with some of the things that she was saying. Now it's that the AD was pushing for her to get fired. So now we're seeing a little bit more. Now we're getting a little bit more into the fold. She says she doesn't know why she was fired. There's so many things in there. And A, it tells us that she might be just as in the dark as what happened in the investigation as we are. Number two, the AD obviously had a problem. What that problem was, she doesn't know. She, she Either she doesn't know or she's not sharing as far as she's waiting to say that in her statement. Because I'm sure she knows what she said that made the AD upset because she, they were having the conversation and she noticed it as she was talking. But the thing is, if we don't have any of that information, how can I, I actually come to a conclusion? And I've tried to do a good job of just reporting and just saying, this is the facts. This is the allegation. I don't even say facts. This is what happened as far as allegations. This is what happened as far as the firing. Maybe. The only time I even tried to get deeper than reporting was saying maybe this is what happened in the investigation. Clearly, the investigation found something. I think it's an interesting situation, but we do not have it all. We have half of the story. We have half of the situation. And just because Chelsea Lucas says something doesn't mean it's true. Let's just get that out the way. It does not mean that it's fact. It does not mean that she's going to all of a sudden shed light on the situation and say that wasn't true. That wasn't true. X, Y and Z. What it does mean is now I have the ability to hear what the Grambling volleyball players say, said, have what the ex-Alcorn volleyball players said, and I also have the coach who was the common denominator in all of this has to say. Now, hopefully, on Monday's episode, I'm able to come on here and say, Chelsea Lucas said this, that, and the third. What does it actually mean? And then also get a better scope of the situation just to put all the facts in front of you so that you are allowed to make your own decision on what you believe. Wednesday, we talk about her getting fired. Friday, we talk about how we need her side of the story. And then Monday, she finally does, after sitting down with her attorney, give her side of the story, and we have something to discuss. Fingers crossed that we get to talk about. And another thing I'm really hoping to talk about on Monday's episode is Peter Woods, a five-star defensive lineman. He'll be announcing his decision and who he's going to be committing to today at 6.15 Eastern time, of course, in the, in the p.m. So make sure you're looking out for that. Jackson State is in his top four. If he commits to Jackson State, 
best believe that we will be talking about that on Monday's episode. But y'all know the drill. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen of the day, check out our conference shows, Locked on ACC, Locked on Big 12, Locked on Pac-12, while they still have it, I don't know. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives and maybe in your local spaces. Until the next time you hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Hey.